We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 20 this morning, and I realize that it's a large portion of Scripture, but Scripture is the lifeblood of the church. Uh, in days of old, the church would gather and Scripture would be read, and um, so we read Scripture here. That's what we do. It's just going to be a very large portion this morning, and so uh, I just don't like to skip over anything. So we're going to read the whole chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 20. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there's yearly sacrifices there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is a witness. When I've sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good towards David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I'll report it to you and then send you away that you may go in safety. And then the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I live, that I may die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of his enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed. Because your seat will be empty, and when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed, and remain by the stony zell. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot a target, and there I will send a lad saying, Go find thy arrows. And if I expressly say to the lad, Look, the arrows on on this side of you, get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. And David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat as other times on a seat by the wall, and Jonathan arose. And Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him, and he is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why is his son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for a family has sacrificed in the city. And my brother has commanded me to be there. 
And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. And Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me and he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul and his father and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? And Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out in the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. And then he said to his lad, now run and find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to to his lad and said to him, Go carry them into the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place towards the south, fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, and David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. For some of y'all, that's the most Bible you've got all month. Like, why's he got to read the scripture? More than you read this week. Read your Bibles. Let me, let me give you the quick version of this story. And, and, and people say, well, why do you read the whole portion of Scripture? Because it's fruitful, man. It's fruitful. Are we, can we not listen to God's Word be spoke for five minutes and not get bored? It's a great story. But here's the simple version. <laughs> David and Jonathan are the best of friends. Jonathan is the son of King Saul. David is to become king. King David, Jonathan was supposed to, but David's going to be the king. Saul said he wouldn't kill David, but he keeps trying to kill him. So David and Jonathan are there and they make a deal. They're like, all right, buddy, help me out here. Go see Saul. And Jonathan says, this is what I'm going to do, man. I'll go see Saul. You go hide in the bushes for a couple days. If it's dangerous, I'm going to send a young lad out into the bushes. I'm going to shoot an arrow. If it's dangerous, I will tell you, I'll, I'll tell the lad, go, the, the arrows are beyond you. And if I tell the, the lad the arrows are beyond you, it means you should run the other way. If I tell the lad the arrows are before you, it means that you should come back to the palace and you're safe. Jonathan goes in, very clear that it's not safe. Saul is so angry, he's willing to kill his own son. So what does Jonathan do? He shoots the arrows into the sky and then he yells out to David, really, not really to the lad. It's beyond you telling him, don't come back. Jonathan is doing a, a wonderful thing here for his friend. He, Jonathan is actually going into danger and then reporting back to him what he should do. And so in this moment, David has a choice He's either going to listen to Jonathan or he's going to listen to himself. They've talked. They've made a deal. Jonathan has gone and found out the information and now he's reporting it to David. 
And David has to make a choice. Listen to the arrows or listen to himself. David's sitting out there in the field and it says that he was there for two or three days. He's going to have to choose what is he going to do. Will he listen to the arrows or will he listen to himself? What I'm going to be asking you this morning is the same question. Will you listen to the arrows or will you listen to yourself? Because here's what Jonathan's arrows say. Jonathan's arrows say, I have the knowledge. I have the knowledge. That's what those arrows are saying. See, the arrows fly, verse 37. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? This is the moment that David has been waiting for. He's hiding in the field and wondering, Am I safe? Can I go back? Must I flee? Jonathan shoots the arrow and says, I know more than you know. I have the knowledge. I have the knowledge. Obviously does, right? I mean, he's the one who went and talked to Saul. This was the plan. He said to David, I'm going to go and see what's going on. And then I'm going to let you know. Verse 32, and Jonathan answered Saul's father and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew it was determined by his father to kill David. Pretty simple to figure out. All right, dad, if you're trying to kill me, you're most definitely going to probably kill David. This is firsthand knowledge that Jonathan has of the condition of Saul that he's reporting to David. Jonathan has the knowledge. David does not have the knowledge. It's at this moment that David has to ask himself, am I going to trust the arrow or not? Am I going to trust the arrow? Am I going to trust my friend? Am I going to trust the knowledge that he has? Or am I going to trust myself? Now, have you ever had to wait for someone to come pick you up somewhere before? Where you're sitting somewhere and they're, oh, I'll come pick you up. I don't know about you, but like the first few minutes before, like I start to get this anxiety in my stomach, like, oh my gosh, they're not going to come. Anybody else? Yeah, right? I'm like, they're probably not going to come. They probably don't like me. They probably weren't going to come anyway. Like, I got those thoughts in my head. And then if the time comes that they didn't show up, then everything starts going through your head. Oh, they died. Oh, they didn't love me in the first place. They're probably not going to come. They said I was coming to dinner, but they're not. All these things start going in your mind. And so then you start coming up with these other plans. Like, oh, I'm going to get a car. Or I'll call somebody else. You start texting them, calling, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Right? Am I the only one? Okay. Because when you're waiting and you're alone, your mind starts to play tricks on you. David's a human. He was out in the bushes for days. He's hanging out. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a TV. He didn't have a cell phone to play on. He's just laying there just like, well, I guess at some point I'll hear something from the sky. And so when the, the arrows come and the voice cries out, I'm guessing David was probably like, now, what did he say? Did he say, if it's beyond me, come, if he said this way, don't cut, like, which, which one is it? I, cause that's what your mind does, right? So now this is the moment where he has to trust in what Jonathan had said before. If I scream out to the lad, the arrows are beyond you. That means don't come back. Trust the knowledge. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7:12, for wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. What does that mean? 
It means that when you got money, you can get yourself out of problems. But if you got knowledge, you can keep yourself from problems. And knowledge is even more powerful than money. Money cannot buy you out of some problems. But if you have knowledge, you can keep yourself out of a lot of problems. If David wants life, he better choose to listen to the arrow, listen to Jonathan and receive it. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 15, that the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. If you are prudent and you are wise, you will seek knowledge. You'll want it. You'll want, you'll want, you'll want it to help you. And so in this moment, David says, you know what? My friend has the knowledge. I'm going to receive the knowledge. I'm going to use the knowledge. What does it mean to you? Folks, what arrows are being shot to tell you something that you're refusing to respond to? Who in your life has the knowledge of something you don't have the knowledge of that you're refusing to listen to? You're coming up with things in your own mind. You've made an agreement. They've told you they would tell you. They're telling you, but you refuse to receive the knowledge. Arrows of correction that are trying to tell you what to do and how to live. Jonathan was his friend. He knew better than David. He knew what could help him, what, what, what could teach him of what he could do. If, I, if I'm in that scenario and I'm Jonathan, I'm saying, you know what, David, I love you. I'm trying to help you out. David could have sat in the field and like, who does Jonathan think he is? I'm the one that's going to be king, not him. Tell the lad. I'll tell you, tell the lad. Shooting arrows, calling out. I've been out of here for days, bro. David could have just ignored it. He could have just marched straight back into Saul's chambers and said, you know what, man? I listened to Jonathan or a lad or an arrow or nothing. I'm the heir apparent. I'm doing whatever I want. But Jonathan was the one in the position of the knowledge, not David. David's only option was to trust the arrow and trust the one with the knowledge. John 8, 43, Jesus said, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Why, why will people listen to instruction? Very clear, clear, basic instructions. If you look at the calamity of your life and the, and the decisions that you've made, it's usually because there was a very simple decision that you were supposed to make to keep yourself from danger. And you chose to not listen to the knowledge. You, you don't even have to know the Bible to know things that you shouldn't be doing. And people try to play this game like, well, I don't know why. I just got to figure it out on my own. I, I don't know why humans, we have to, we have to touch the stove ourselves and, ooh, I guess it will burn me. Mind you, thousands of people have touched it and gotten burned, but I want to touch it myself. I want to make sure for myself because I'm not going to trust nobody. American individualism is some of the worst thought processes to be in the church. Because we refuse to listen to somebody that has the knowledge. This might surprise you, but as a pastor, I notice trends. I don't know, I don't know what you do for a job, but I guarantee you at your job, when you see things happening, you're like, oh, I've been doing this for years. This is happening. This is going to happen. My my job is very simple. 
know the Bible, tell you what it says, manage God's church, help you overcome things in your life so that we can get to what you need to do is to grow spiritually. I've been doing this for 16 years, man. I, I know people, I know relationships, I know how things work. And sometimes I would be like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And he'd be like, you what, who does he think he is? Listen, I, you came here. Like, I, I, I didn't go to your house and bang on the door in a bicycle and a white shirt telling you what to do. Right? People, people want to own the process instead of just winning. I don't know. I love to win. I hate to lose. So if anybody can help me win, just give me the knowledge. I, there's nothing new under the sun. If somebody else knows how to do it, great. I can get there faster than anybody else. Proverbs 19.20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Why would you not listen to somebody who knows better? Why? Why? There's, there's tons of people that know more than you about a ton of things. It's not your job to be the master of everything. Stay in your lane and then find other people that are in their lane and just like, man, just tell me what to do. Crystal and I go to the gym on a uh, somewhat regular basis. This is of her doing and not mine. (laughs) Rest assured, if this was not my wife, you would not see pictures of me at the gym. I'd be at the donut shop. (laughs) I would be a preacher of much more stature. (laughs) And so uh, we go to the gym, albeit reluctantly from me. And, and when, we, when we go into the place where we go, the, the, the trainer's desks are right there. And so there's a gentleman that is the head trainer that sits there. And because we talked to everybody, we talked to the front desk people, we talked to the cleaner, we talked to everybody. And so we talked, hey, how's it going? And we're chatting about whatever. And, and so it's Friday and I'm like, well, I, I said to the head trainer guy, I said, well, Friday, leg day. And I said, nobody likes leg day. And he's like, hey, what are you doing for legs today? I was like, um, dang it. I was like, I said, well, we do this, 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 and the other thing is like, oh, okay. Hey, um, today, why don't you try this? And the first thought in my mind was, man, bro, who you think you are? I played high school football, son, high school football trainer, head trainer. Where's your degree head trainer telling me how I'm going to do my legs. I didn't say that. I said, <laughs> it's like with my wife, I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, so, so I just want you to do body weight lunges very strictly, 10 on each leg all the way down and back, do five sets. And I was like, oh. I said to Chris, I said, hey man, the head trainer, he told us this is what we're going to do today. Chris was like, okay, bro, I literally could, I'm supposed to do five sets. I got like two and a half sets. <laughs> This was Friday. I'm still like walking like this. If you see me while I'm, I'm like this, cause my legs are so, they're so unbelievably sore. I can't even describe to you how sore they are because some trainer guy wanted me to actually work my legs <laughs> instead of just meandering around the gym, talking to people, talking about I'm working legs. There's a sermon in there somewhere. There's people who are successful, successful in an area 
who are people you should listen listen to. Jesus said in Revelation 2.7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Folks, you better listen to what God tells you to do. You better not ignore his arrows of knowledge. Yeah. He, he created the universe. He knows what he's talking about. Right. He created you. You're not here by accident. That's right. You think he doesn't know what he's talking about? When God tells you something, he has the knowledge, not you. Jonathan's arrows say, I'm trying to protect you. Think about it. Jonathan could have not followed through with the agreement. He could have chose to do something different, but he followed through with what he said he would do. He was trying to protect his friend. They're friends, they're brothers, they love one another. He's trying to save him. Verse 17, now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as his own soul. Verse 34, so Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger. And ate no food for the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. That, that's a friend. A friend that's, that, that doesn't show loyalty to his own father because of his spiritual condition and gets so angry that he can't even eat. That's how angry that he was. Why? Because he wants to protect his friend, David. Folks, that's a good friend. Jonathan isn't going to let harm befall his friend. Folks, a good friend will tell you when there is danger. A good friend will try to protect you. Haven't you ever been driving down the road and someone like you don't even know is coming towards you and will stop and roll down the road like, hey, the road's closed up there. You don't want to go that way. You ever had anybody do that? You're the one or two people like who they think they are. Honey, we going that way. And then you get to the roadblock and then your wife says, why didn't you just listen to that other guy? <laughs> People that don't even know you try to protect you. So why would you not listen to a friend that has knowledge that's trying to protect you? John fifteen thirteen. greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jonathan put himself in danger to protect his friend. And now the arrow flies and his voice declares, I'm protecting you, friend. I'm telling you there's danger. Don't come. This is why David could say things like Psalm 138. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. See, David was smart enough to realize that God will use whatever he needs to do to protect his people. David understood after the fact, he's like, Psh, I don't want to tell you, man, I was in the field one day and Jonathan made a thing, shot an arrow, called out, and I didn't die that day. Yeah. I listened. I was protected. God will use what he needs to use to protect his people. And in this instance, God used Jonathan. Think about it. This whole story, the whole like sit through for five minutes talking about the scriptures can be summed up in the simplest of terms. The arrow and the yelling was to protect David. That's all it was to keep David from being killed by Saul so that David could become king. That's all it was. He was going to be king and he couldn't go back to where Saul was and get killed. And so his friend is protecting him from death. What does it mean to you? I am not Jonathan. You are not David, and Saul is not out to kill you. But do you know what is out to kill you? Sin. Sin wants to destroy you. 
everything. It wants to destroy your marriage, your health, your life. Satan does not want you to serve God. So he'll do whatever he can to try to throw it into your life to get you to stop serving God. The greatest arrow that God is sending into your life is to avoid spiritual destruction at all costs. Will you listen to the arrow? Will you listen to it? In John chapter 3, I love, (laughs) I actually love the whole Bible, but John chapter 3 is really good. I feel like 316 gets a little too much mileage. I like 318 better. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Folks, don't don't miss the point of the whole story of the Bible. Jesus has come into the world to keep you from the evil one and forgive you from sin. Flee sin and turn towards Jesus in faith. And if you have, you need to warn against evil. Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Yeah. Folks, we, we, are, we are to expose evil and keep others, to fall, keep others from falling into grievous sin. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. Ezekiel 3.21, nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you have delivered your soul. And I understand, folks, I'm not Ezekiel and you are not Israel, but the thought is clear that sin is bad. When I preach about the dangers of sin, it's because of the danger of it. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Sin will destroy every last part of your life. Every single one of it. Ezekiel 33.8 When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Will you listen to the arrow of protection that says, sin will kill you? Will you listen It wants to destroy every last part of your life. And it's interesting when you come down to a church and you listen to a pastor preach about the dangers of sin. There's really only one or two options. Either you're going, praise God, pastor. I don't want to die in my sins. Or you go, who does he think he is? I'm trying to help you, man. I'm trying to help you be set free. I know the dangers of sin. Will you listen? I know there's people that are on the edge of destruction today. Will you listen to the arrows? You will remember the day that you heard the warning and did not heed it. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know. Because every single one of you that have fallen into sin look back on the day and you're like, Oh, I was told. Oh, I was warned and I knew and it was simple. It's never something, it's never deep. It's simple. Just know that we choose to just go our own direction. 
And then comes sin and then comes guilt and shame and all these things. Trying to listen to God instead of listening to ourselves. Acts 20, verse 26 and 27. Therefore I test, testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And you, you may not listen to the arrow. I get it, man. You can march out of here and I may never see you again in my life. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to die and stand before God and have him look at me and say, Matt, why didn't you tell him? Yeah. Jesus came to solve a sin problem, not to, not, not to improve your finances or make your car run better. Jesus came to satisfy a sin problem. He said, well, you know, I got other issues in my life. Satisfy the sin problem. It's amazing how much easier everything else happens. Because typically when you're being a jerk face, it's because you fell into sin. You feel guilt and shame. And now you're lashing out at other people because you haven't bowed, bowed the knee before God and asked for forgiveness. All of a sudden you start to live the way the Bible wants you to live when you get away from the sin in your life. Because this is what Jonathan's arrows say. Jonathan's arrow, he, he says, I have the knowledge. He says, I'm trying to protect you. But the last thing the arrows say is turn away, yeah. right? Yeah. He shoots the arrow. He says, if I say this, go the other way. If I say this, yeah. come back towards me. The arrows say, turn away. Don't come back. Go the other way. It's beyond you. Proverbs 22, 3 says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. See, David was prudent. He didn't, he didn't ignore the call of Jonathan. It says in verse 41, as, as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place towards the south, fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. See, David went south. He changed his direction. He, he sought the protection that was promised, but he had to turn he had to turn. You have to have a direction change from the warning. What, what good is the warning if you don't change your direction from the warning? Yeah. What good is the knowledge? What good is the protection if you don't actually change the direction that your life is going? It's almost like the Bible has a word for it. I, it escapes me. Uh, re- repentance something. <laughs> not enough to just hear the knowledge. It's not enough to just be protected. You've got to change the direction of your life. Turn. Have a change of mind. A metanoia. Hey, Jonathan, I heard you. I saw that. I get it. But I'm still going towards my death. Isaiah 30, 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, I would guess that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to David in that moment and said, turn, just go listen to the arrows. Listen to Jonathan. I'm helping you turn. And you know what David did? He turned. I, 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 really, I really want you to trust God this morning that you are here for a message in a time such as this. If you're watching live online, it's for a time such as this. If you're, if you're watching the recording of this on YouTube, on wherever we put our sermons, would you believe that God has ordained this moment so that you would hear this message 
Because there's there, there, he has been telling you to turn away from something. He's been telling you to lay it down, go the other direction, stop an action, stop a thought, stop something. You're hearing it, but you, you've got to change your direction. The Bible says in James 5, 20, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. See, as a pastor, what I get to see, what you don't get to see is I get to see the whole entire process of somebody's spiritual walk. And I I, I can't stand up here on a Sunday morning and go, brother and sister so-and-so are in the room right now and they're on the edge of destruction. I can't say that. I'm not going to say that. What I'm not going to say is when somebody ends up falling into grievous sin and we no longer see them at church, I'm not going to stand up and say, brother and sister so-and-so were here for many years and they decided to not listen to what God was saying through his words and his scripture and now chosen a life of sin. I can't say that. But what I can do is I can stand up here on a Sunday and do everything within the, the, the few short moments that I have to do everything that I can do to try to encourage you to turn away from destruction. And I'm completely fine with it. I'm I'm completely fine if our church is empty and I have to go get a job at Walmart. Like I'm completely fine with that. What, What I'm not completely fine with is having to stand before God and say, man, I didn't do everything that I could do to try to bring people away from destruction, grab them by the shoulders and push them towards righteousness. You, you honestly you honestly should be glad that, that God loves you enough to challenge you to change your direction. I'm literally screaming, listen to the arrows. It's beyond you. Do not come back. Don't go back. Go the other way. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Folks, if you're moving in the direction of a sin and someone, even me, encourage you to change directions, change and turn it around. Go the other way. Don't go back. uh, uh, How many of you know the uh, face? Brian and Nicole? Yeah. Yeah. People that are are members of our church. Um, They were here first service. And I shared this story as well because they said, anytime you need to use us as a sermon example, feel free. Today's the day. And so, you know, Brian and Nicole about two years ago were barreling towards divorce, barreling. Um, And uh, if for those of you that know Brian Faith, he's had a really big attitude change in the last two years. Uh, Prior to that, the, the two years before that, dude, he was Mr. Jerky McJerkface. Like he was not nice. And the reason why is because his marriage was failing and him and his wife had a bunch of issues that they need to deal with. Um, and, and we met with them, sometimes planned, sometimes unplanned. We would meet with them uh, because, <laughs> man, I, I won't get into the details. But they were I, like, the word divorce was not even on the table. Like it was on the paper. Like it was like, that's where we're going. And, and, and so Crystal and I met with them and and said, you guys need to change this about what you're doing, change the direction of your life. Lo and behold, they changed the direction of their lives. And now they've got a wonderful marriage. They're, they don't even talk about divorce anymore. Brian, Brian's got such a glorious attitude that <laughs> seemed impossible. 
I, I literally was at the point where I was praying Brian out of the church because of his attitude. I do that, just so you know. If you've been here for a couple of years and you refuse to listen I, and you're just hurting other people, we don't need you here. Had two years, how long does it take? God answered my prayers. They repented. They turned the other direction. They turned. It changed the way that they were living their lives, changed the way that they dealt with one another. Now they're married and happy and in the ministry and God's doing great things in their life. Why, why would you not change your direction? Why? Have you ever had food poisoning before? I, one time I had it violently. I won't go into details. Violently. I won't tell you where it was that I ate, but it was on Washington and Kent. I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe that I was a caveman. I don't believe in any of that. I don't even drive on Washington anymore. Like I'm like, I learned the first time there's many restaurants that you can go to. You don't have to go back again to just find out. Here's the last scripture and then we'll pray and go. Proverbs 29, 1, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. What does that mean? A word like this will come through from the Holy Spirit telling you to change a direction. And, and what a stiff neck means is that when, they, when you lead an animal, all you have to do is pull their neck and then they'll go that direction. If you quit listening to the, to the rebuke from the Holy Spirit, your, ne- your neck will get stiff and you'll lose the ability to turn and you'll stiffen your neck, go forward and go to destruction. Don't let today be the day that you stiffen your neck. Don't let today be the day that you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Turn your life the way you need to turn it. Listen to the arrows, the arrows of knowledge, the arrows of protection, the arrows that say, turn away. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's really quite easy. If you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't, if you've been forgiven of your sins or you haven't, I end every service asking people if they're ready to live for Jesus. And this isn't superstition. This isn't like, man, I need my sins forgiven. Yes, you need your sins forgiven. But you also need to change the direction in your life. And so this morning, if you want to be forgiven of your sins and change the direction of your life, and you'd like to make a declaration this morning, we want to pray with you. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? Amen. I see your hand. Who else? I see that hand. Amen. I see your hand. Now, those of you that have raised your hands, I want you to walk to the front of the church this morning. And I know, and I know that that I know that feels weird to walk to the front, but it's a dec, it's a dec, it's a declaration of your faith. It's a declaration that says, "I'm ready to give my life to Jesus." Don't let this moment pass. We serve a God that saves. We serve a God that sets free. It's all right, young man. Come walk up here. There's someone ready to pray with you. Praise God. Come on, ma'am. You can come up here. The altars are open. Honey, would you pray with her, please? Here, just quick. Maybe you've been far from God. I'm not talking about bad week, bad month. I'm talking about you heard the truth years ago and you've been walking in defiance. But today you're, you're done. You're coming back to Jesus. You're saying, you know what, God, I'm ready to give my life back to you. 
I'm sorry, I'm done. I want you to raise your hand right now in in an act of rededication to say, I'm ready to give you my life. Anybody need to do that today? See that hand. We serve a God that saves. (laughs) We serve a God that sets free. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for these new souls into the kingdom today, God. We thank you for it. God, we thank you for your word, Lord. God, we thank you. We submit to your lordship this morning. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Let's all stand up. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live Team.